I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now, to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're gonna to love your benefits. Do it now. What is up guys, it's your boy Matt Havis, back at it with Dental Student Vibes Podcast. Today we have a really cool interview for you. We have the celebrity eye surgeon, Dr. Brian Boxer-Walkler. Dr. Brian Boxer-Walkler is a super, super renowned, prestigious ophthalmologist. He's famous for his research into the condition known as keratoconus. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can shoot him DMs. You can check out all of his literature work, all of his stuff that he's done, his research for keratoconus and all the uh, breakthroughs and stuff he's done on that, which is super cool. But today he sits down with us, he talks about how he became famous on TikTok during the quarantine and how he maximized his time during the quarantine in his lockdown and how he used lemons to make lemonade, which is what we love at the Dental Student Advice Podcast. So check that out. And uh, he's got his book and it talks about perceptual intelligence. I won't say too much. I'll let you guys tune in and you guys hear more about it then. Super, super cool. I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. I want to read the book. And uh, hopefully we can have them on again and discuss it. So as always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Make sure you give us a like, comment, review. Let us know what we can do to make this the best podcast we can for you. As always, please be safe and vibe on. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. I'm Seth Kalish with Matt Havis, Cole Herzik. And today we have our very special, famous guest, Dr. Brian Boxer-Walkler. Dr. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here with you guys. Dr. Brian is an awesome guest. We're very excited to have him on today. So Dr. Brian is an MD and he is known as America's TV eye doctor and eye surgeon. It has been featured on NBC's Today Show, Good Morning America, Dr. Drew, The Doctor, CBS News, and many more. He's a social media influencer with over 1.3 million followers on TikTok. That's million with an M. And he's a published author of Perceptual Intelligence and authored over 50 peer-reviewed medical journal articles and has been an FDA investigator for 15 clinical trials. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty hefty bio there, Dr. Brian. Oh, I, I made it all up. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. You buy diplomas online. It's 
easy, right? Simple. <laughs> love it. Love it. So Dr. Brian, um, we here at the Dental Student Vibes podcast, uh, we love to have guests like you on, people who are very accomplished and you've done so much, not only um, within your profession, but then you've branched out and you've done all these different, I mean, FDA investigator for 15 clinical trials. That That's crazy. That, that I love that. that that's amazing. So can you kind of bring us all the way back when you were going through school and what kind of made you decide to go in that direction and how you became uh, an MD and a eye surgeon? I always knew I wanted to be a doctor from a really young age. So I have an uncle who was a very uh, innovative and accomplished urologist in Cincinnati, uh, Jeff Waxman. He was a pediatric urologist. So I always had somebody in my family who I could look to a little bit as a role model. And my parents were very, you know, came from very modest backgrounds. Um, you know, it's not a physician family that I grew up in. My my dad was from Brooklyn, New York. My mom was from Cincinnati, Ohio, and they were hairstylists. And uh, when they came out to California, so uh, but they were very supportive of me. And I think you know I always liked to work with my hands when I was younger. So I used to play piano until, of course, I quit, like almost every teenager does. And then I used to make models, uh, build those little like car models and airplanes. And I love doing puzzles. So I was like working with my hands and I was like helping people. And so that was from a teenager, my goal and dream to be a doctor and specifically a surgeon. Definitely. And I know exactly what you're saying. Working with your hands, there's something that's so satisfying. It's almost artistic, you know, and that's why we all went into dentistry. So I, I right. love that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense because obviously as dentists, the dental students, you're working with the hands all the time. Dr. Brian, do you ever feel like your hands have to constantly be moving because you use them all day? Like when you're out of the office or whatever, do you feel like your, your hands are constantly moving? Like I always have something in my hands. I always do like I, I, whether it's one of those fidget spinners or something just to keep my <laughs> I don't know if it's because it's like early in my career and I just I always have to keep my hands going they're always doing something and I don't know a lot of doctors that I've talked to, like preceptors like yeah you know we do that too like they'll have a pencil and they'll like twirl a pencil around or something and it makes me feel like I guess normal within the field does, does that happen you know for you at being a surgeon well, I'm usually like with the pen in my mouth because I have an oral fixation problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I don't have a, you know, fidgety thing outside the office. Um, it's like when I'm sort of when I need to use my hands, you know, in my profession, I, I do. But otherwise, I'm, you know, don't really think about it. And like in my downtime, I like to. Um, you know, hang out with my kids. I have twin twin daughters who are almost 15. So we like to do fun stuff, uh, which, you know, ping pong, you know, would be one, I guess, working with the hands. And, uh, and I like to row. I'm a rower. I used to be a competitive rower back in the college days. So I guess that's also working with my hands. But I think those are things I just activities I enjoy, not that it's a another way to kind of use my hands. Awesome. Love it. So Dr. Brian, people say, you know, they're going to look at your resume. They're going to say he's an author. He's a surgeon. He's a full-time dad. He's rowing. Um, you know, he's playing ping pong with the girls. So, you know, that's a very impressive resume. That's a lot to handle even for one man, let alone maybe 10. So how do you do it all? 
Well, first of all, in terms of the ping pong, I should say one of my daughters kicks my butt now. So, <laughs> so that's not what something I would probably put on my resume. But I, I just, you know, think of I like to do things. I like I, I'm very goal oriented. Um, I think from a young age. So I like to accomplish things. It makes me feel good. I feel stimulated intellectually by doing something even outside of my comfort zone. So like, for example, you mentioned that I'm an author. So when I was in college, which was at UCLA, I was a psychobiology major. And so I always was fascinated by how our brains work. And so a few years ago, I had an opportunity after I was at the Sochi Olympics in Russia, I was there for my patient, Stephen Holcomb, who is a US bobsledder, who I had treated a condition he has called keratoconus, because I developed a number of procedures for that uh, eye condition to prevent people from needing cornea transplants. So after I restored his vision, treated his keratoconus, he uh, won a gold medal at the, Van at the Vancouver Olympics, and then he was competing in Sochi. So I was there and I observed all this amazing um, stuff basically about the disconnect between perception and reality that you know Putin uh, was portraying in the media about the Olympics. And uh, Olympics were amazing, by the way. And Stephen won two silver medals. But what Putin was doing was fascinating because the world was perceiving something that was very different than was happening behind the scenes, literally on the ground. And that was the impetus for me to write this psychological pop psychology book called Perceptual Intelligence that um, was sort of the springboard for that. So again, it was out of my comfort zone. I never, I mean, I authored medical books before, but a mainstream book that you would see like an Amazon or any of those other sort of bestseller lists was, you know, I wasn't afraid and I was excited to do it. And so I'm actually now working even on my second book right now as a follow-up to that. So it's just, I like to do things and things that stimulate me. And I think things that will be of interest to other people. That's awesome. That's incredible. So how was that journey um, going from, you said you authored other medical books and then you went to, I guess, like you said, a more mainstream audience. What was the journey like with the publishing? And I got, did you go on like a book tour? How, how was all that? Yeah, very different. So in doing my medical books, which are mostly about keratoconus, actually three books I've published on keratoconus, that was pretty much like talk to the publisher. They're like, yes, you're one of the experts in the world on keratoconus. Well, yeah, do whatever you want to do mainstream publishing book. Uh, I'm a first timer. They don't, you know, care that I've written medical books before because it's a very different audience than the mainstream book. So I had to eventually find an agent, uh, a, a book agent, and um, then we would do a proposal, which is almost like a business plan, but for the book. So in nonfiction, you don't write the whole book. You do like a, a sample chapter and an outline and it's like, what's the market? So it's literally like a business plan, but for the book. And then finally, I was able to get an amazing agent and um, he was able to shop the book around and, you know, sell it. And then I eventually uh, went on the book tour when it came out. I traveled around the U.S. And if anybody's interested, you could see some of those uh, interviews I did in TV in different parts of the country. Uh, my website for the book is perceptualintelligence.com. And 
um, you'll be able to see like some of the fun things about the book that I was able to talk about. And it was fun. I mean, going on this book tour and uh, stopping at Barnes and Nobles and doing book signings. It was really fun to do something like that. That's great. Very nice. That, and I'm sorry, but for anyone tuning in, watching the video, we have the book cover right here. Nice looking book cover and nice jacket photo to go along with it. Yeah. And actually, I, I guess I should mention like what perceptual intelligence is for just a moment. Um, so I sort of developed the concept that there's this disconnect between perception and reality a lot of times. So having perceptual intelligence, like emotional intelligence is a high level would be where you're able to separate fact from fantasy and understanding what are our biases that we bring into our own experiences, whether it's our religion, our childhood upbringing, um, social, um, all sorts of elements that could bias us one way or the other that could derail our ability to perceive what's you know, truthful or, or what's not. And that's the concept behind the book. And there's lots of really fun examples. And um, one of the, the fun examples I like to describe is, you know, um, there's a grilled cheese sandwich uh, that got auctioned off on eBay for $28,000. And I bet you're wondering why, right? Can I hear a why? Yeah, why, why, why is that, Dr. Brian? <laughs> okay. So this woman in Florida was making her grilled cheese sandwich. She's flipping it over and she looks down and she's like, oh my gosh, like there's Virgin Mary in the skillet burns oh. of my grilled cheese sandwich. And she really thought this is a incarnation of Virgin Mary. And so people who have very strong religious beliefs believed that this is representation of Virgin Mary. And literally on eBay, it got uh, sold for $28,000. Now, is there really Virgin Mary in those skillet burns? No. But again, people who have this strong religious background and belief, they're sort of biased to look for images, religious imagery in inanimate objects. There's actually a medical name for that condition called pareidolia. And we've all, I mean, have you ever looked up in the clouds and you've seen like a, a face of some kind? Oh yeah, oh, for sure. So we're trained from being infants to be able to want to see, you know, human faces, because that's the first thing we see, our parents typically. And so when you've got people who have these strong religious biases, they'll look naturally even to see religious figures. And there was one example of uh, somebody who was eating Cheetos and looked at one of the Cheetos and saw an image of Jesus in the Cheetos or Jesus, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Yeah. I, I see teeth all over. <laughs> Makes sense. Look up in the sky. <laughs> That's a molar. Yeah. <laughs> there what an so, amazing canine. There you go. <laughs> You're basically a, the dentist already. Yeah. You know all the teeth. <laughs> I, I, I shot my load. I'm done. That's all I know is those two. <laughs> right. So, Dr. Brian, you were talking about um, during this whole process of making the book, um, one of our, our goals with the Dental Student Advice podcast is to teach others about marketing, business, finance. So, with regards to marketing, how did you kind of begin with, because with, I'm sure you, you might use an agent or you use some sort of marketer for your practice? Is, is that a correct assumption there? You know, a lot of it, I kind of conceive on my own, in fact. Right. Or not. Yeah. Okay. 
So I mean, I'm, I, I've had marketing people help me, yeah. but a lot of the concepts uh, I've just sort of developed. You know, I study uh, one person who's great, who I followed for many years. His name is Dan Kennedy. And right. um, if you've heard of him, so he, his group, um, there's a lot of information, a lot of great things to understand that, um, you know, you may not necessarily read in any other marketing books, but he's published so many books about marketing. He's a great person for people to look at, but that's been one of the people I've, I've been following for many years. Mm -hmm. So what has your um, experience been like using an agent and how is that like maybe using a sort of publicist or PR? How has that helped you with your career? So because I've done a number of innovative procedures, like for example, with keratoconus, I was trained in my fellowship to do cornea transplants for, I, I should explain, keratoconus is where the cornea is weak and bulges out. It's like having a hernia, but instead of in your groin, it's like on the eye. So it's the collagen's weak, it bulges, um, much like if you were driving your car and the windshield starts become distorted by bulging, that's kind of what people can see from their eyes as the cornea bulges. So I used to do cornea transplants in my fellowship cornea refractive vision correction surgery fellowship, I was trained to do cornea transplants. And I started doing them also when I came out of my fellowship. And then I developed these other procedures that were minimally or even non-invasive. And that was at the time still revolution. I mean, it's still kind of revolutionary, but especially 20 years ago, it was really revolutionary. So there was a reason for the media to be interested to have me on, uh, fortunately, to talk about the innovations. And that's the key thing about when people think about a publicist is there has to be something novel that you're going to want to share. Otherwise, the media, they're not going to be interested because, you know, news is by definition something that's new or newsworthy. So people should think about that. But a publicist can be very beneficial when somebody wants to share something that is new and novel. That's awesome. Right. I love that answer. So new and speaking of new and novel, 2020 ushered in some interesting things. One of the most interesting things being TikTok. Um, oh. <laughs> speaking of that, how did you become one of these top doctors that, as we said before, has so much already on his plate to then even add another thing on his plate? How did how did you add that all into the mix? Well, you know, there was a, this little thing that I don't know if you guys noticed last year that happened called the pandemic. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people noticed it, but, uh, so a lot of things slowed down, including my practice. You know, we have a lot of people who fly in from out of town for their procedures, uh, you know, particularly keratoconus, but I also do a wider eyes procedure when people have, um, dis uh, discolorations from the sun on the whites of their eyes and other things like that. Well, obviously when they shut down, you know, the country, a lot of people weren't flying in anymore. So I had a lot of extra time on my hands. And one of my daughters, uh, actually sort of in concert, they were both like, you know what, dad, there's some really good doctors on TikTok, and you should check it out. And I think, you know, we can help you get started. And my staff earlier last year had set up my TikTok account. They actually, their first video was about uh, a keratoconus procedure I do called Holcomb C3R cross-linking. It's a non-invasive cross-linking that I developed. And, you know, it did pretty well. I think it got like 10,000 views or something like that. And then the account just sort of lay dormant. And then when my daughters talked to me about this, I was like, yeah, that sounds again, you know, like 
fun, something new, like stimulating for me. Again, I like to do new things. And, and uh, so they started helping me and I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning, <laughs> you know, under their guidance, I got, you know, some little bit of traction and, and it was fun. And I realized, you know, there's this opportunity for me to help other people. And I sort of switched my mindset from being like, I'm going to talk only about eyes because I'm an eye doctor, eye surgeon. My mindset was, you know, I think people would want to hear from me based on some other feedback about other health topics. And so as soon as I switched that gear and I started, you know, being open to other suggestions that I was getting tagged by in other videos and TikTok, because for those of you that aren't familiar with TikTok, um, you can, in the comments of any video, you can tag anybody else who's on TikTok, you know, by putting the at sign. So I was starting to get these people tagging me like at Brian Boxer Walker, MD, you know, about different videos. And I would do research and I would see if the video content was uh, true or not true. So it sort of tied back into my perceptual intelligence, right? How to separate fact from reality or, or fiction from reality. And so, um, that's how it kind of grew. And um, I was finding my my groove, if you will, my own style to the degree now that um, I will uh, be responding to people's comments or making videos because anybody can make a viral video on, on social media, right? Doesn't matter who you are, as long as whatever the algorithm is behind the scenes recognizes that people are responding it'll get promoted. So TikTok, they promote to the For You page. That's where ideally people want to try to get videos shown because it's being put out to you know people who aren't their followers. That's what a lot of people strive for on TikTok. So then I came up with this concept of um, you know, calling something in the Gen Z term of uh, not true, which is called cap. So cap in <laughs> oh my gosh. So so cap in Gen Z world means like fake or not true. So then I I started with and I'm going to show you the evolution of my cap because there is a little bit of an evolution since I've been doing this for a little bit. Can I go grab it for a sec? Yeah, I, go ahead. Okay, I'll, All right, I'll be right back. Because this evolution is kind of fun. I've actually never uh, shown. You're the first to see the evolution of my cap little uh, shtick. <laughs> awesome. So this will be sort of fun. Um, so no one can comment hashtag no cap on this video, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, here I get to use my hands some more, right? Getting the headset organized. All right. So this is this was my very so again, the emoji for uh, cap is the blue hat, right? That little blue hat you see. Um, so then I started putting the blue hat on my head huh. and I, and I had made this little thing that said cap on it like this. So I, something was, I would, you know, comment or duet a video, which is a side-by-side -side video of somebody doing whatever it was. If it was not true, I would at the end of the video go like that. And this <laughs> is, this is backwards. Um, because in TikTok video, like everything's reversed. So I actually made it backwards. And uh, so that's how that kind of started. And then I eventually had like proper hats made. So I've got now these like <laughs> proper <laughs> hats. That's great. And so that's kind of what I'm known as. Like people sort of tag me constantly. And I try to get to as many videos to comment or at least mention in a response. But that's sort of how it developed. 
and it's been really fun. And I've uh, collaborated with some great doctors as well um, and friends with them, become friends with them over TikTok as well. So, I mean, TikTok is not just for like kids dancing anymore. It's really evolved to almost being like a little bit of a search engine for information, but you got to find who's credible um, to follow because believe me, there's lots of cap out there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Soon, it's like an epidemic of cap. Right. We, see, we see it a lot too in dentistry. Yeah. It will see like informational videos and it's yeah. just, a lot of it is just so incorrect. Yeah. And, you know, for, coming from somebody who studies it, we want to put out quality content that everyone can, you know, learn from and it's accurate and reliable. And you see a lot of stuff on there. So I think you hit a huge, huge uh, selling thing where you can do this because there's so many different medical things that go on on TikTok, Instagram, everything, Facebook. Mm -hmm. And everything you see, if you know the field, you're like, mm, I guess kind of like if, if you break it down so simply, you kind of lose, you know, accuracy in a sense, just because we understand to this nth degree, but for them, you have to break down a layman's terms. But when you get to that certain point, there might be a disconnect. So I think by you explaining it the way you do, you know, it's comedic and everything and it's relatable. So it actually helps the whole new generation learning, you know, healthcare terminology and everything. It's huge. Yeah, I feel like I'm really doing a service because I get feedback a lot like, oh, my gosh, you saved me from like hours or months of doing this or buying this product, which ended up, you know, being a, a BS product for a, a condition. I mean, it's just like never ending. I mean, in dentistry, there was one video that was viral that actually ended up being true. And I, I talked to people and researched it, which is like the long face syndrome for people, you know, kids that are like mouth breathers right? That they, you know, it's like their face kind of, you get this, you know, Ichabod Crane-ish look, right? That right. pulls out. Right. And, uh, and that was true. So that was a viral video. That was true. But then there's other ones where people are like, you know, doing Muse. Have you heard of Muse exercises? Like this oh. Dr. Muse, where it's like doing these like jaw exercises to get a, a you know, lots of people want to get like a trim jawline. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, there's no science behind that. Um, so, so you cause more. You get TMD, the temporomandibular disorder in the, in the joint thing, TMJ. Yeah. And like, there's one guy who's like biting down on this big plastic thing and he's got these like big chiseled jaws and he does a fun um, uh, filter where he gets big jaws. But yeah. still, I mean, he's like with even without it, it's like people are like, oh, I'm going to go buy and do these exercises, you know, to build up the masseter muscles. Yeah, um, so. You know, that's just one example in dentistry that there's stuff that's true that went viral and stuff not true that went viral. Hey, I, I totally agree with you. I One of them I saw recently, somebody's using a nail file to make their teeth. Oh. Yeah, you saw that one? Yeah. I deleted that one a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually did a, the, I did a funny thing with that one, I remember, of like filing the teeth like at home. And then I'm like, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well like take a look at and I, and I, then I panned down to a hose on the ground, a garden hose. And I'm, and I said, home, home colonoscopies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, That's man. a good one. That's a good one. Goodness. All right. So, so Dr. Brian, we want to kind of transition here uh, and talk more about what it's like for you practicing every day and working in a clinical setting. Okay. Um, so can you kind of break it down to us what a day in the life of Dr. Brian is like? So I get up and I'll work out six days a week in the morning. Um, again, going back to 
I was an athlete in college and I really, I feel better. I feel good when I work out and I always have one day off uh, a week. So I'll get up and uh, go for one kind of workout or another. I've sort of got my routine down and then I will uh, shower, which is good. Everybody appreciates that. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, of course, actually, I want to, you guys will appreciate this. I've recently in the last year gotten in the routine of flossing in the morning as well as at nighttime. All right. Great respect. Great mm -hmm. respect. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. Good for the gums. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to be an overachiever in that department. And um, my dentist is like, your gums look really good now since you've been doing it twice a day. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so then in the office, you know, I'll um, like when I'm driving in the car, I like to listen to Freakonomics uh, podcast. And uh, I like the Stephen Dubner series there and no stupid questions. And now, um, you know, your guys podcast now that I've been, uh, you know, tuned into that um, is a great one, too. Appreciate so so when I when I in the morning, I like to listen, I like to learn something in the car. And then, um, you know, at the office, then I'm sort of like I click into, you know, Dr. Brian mode where I'm like seeing patients or I'm doing surgery. And when I have any downtime, I'm, I'm working on something here in the office. And so um, so that's kind of what my day looks like. And then on the way home, same thing, listen to a podcast and um, and then, you know, get home and, you know, see the family and have fun with the family at that point. That's great. So do you have any like, um, let's say particular habits that you can attribute to all of your success? Like, are there any like little specific things? So I, I it's funny. I mean, you said you take a shower, but like, you know, there's people, there's the, the thing now doing cold showers, ice cold showers for like, yeah, minutes. do you have any other little things that you might do uh, throughout the day? You said listening to podcasts. I, I agree with you. I love to learn. I love to hear new things. I love Freakonomics. That's a great show as well. Um, are there any things that you may attribute towards your success? Little habits. I learned so much, uh, through my TikTok work. I got to say, um, so much because of the, it'll prompt me to research something and look it up and I'm really good at researching. So I'll be able to find if, you know, something is valid or not. And you brought up about showers and cold showers. So there was a video I got tagged in and I researched it and I found a fascinating study that, uh, was done up. Uh, either in uh, Norway or the Netherlands, uh, somewhere somewhere near there, or Scandinavia, um, one of those countries, where they took three groups of people and they finished their shower after their normal shower. They finished it with 30 seconds of cold water. The second group was 60 seconds of cold water. The third group was 90 seconds of cold water. And they found that all three groups had about a 30% reduction in getting sick versus a control group, which was oh. no, no cold at the end. And so that was like, I learned something pretty powerful that for something so simple that virtually everybody can do, you can reduce your chance of getting sick by like 30%. So I've started now at the end of my showers, make it cold for 30 seconds uh, for that reason. Exactly. And there's a lot of science also why it does that. It boosts the immune system and it stimulates a number of other factors. So that's really a, a great scientifically backed thing to do. That's awesome. very cool. I did not know that. And I know um, you're on the Dr. Drew show. Dr. Drew is a big advocate of cold showers as well. So that's, that's mm -hmm. very interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. So there's really good science that backs it up. 
got a little text. I just showered before we started and I told him. <laughs> <laughs> I took a warm one. Yeah. Well, you know, you can redeem yourself by hopping in for the 30 seconds there. I should. <laughs> you know, give me a second. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's your boy, Matt Havis, back at it. This was our world-class interview with the celebrity eye surgeon, Dr. Brian Boxer-Wackler. He is unbelievable. We really enjoyed talking to him. If you guys have any topics you guys would like him to discuss with us on another episode, feel free to give us a shout out. Give us a DM on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Let us know what you think and what else we could discuss with him or with somebody else if you would like us to discuss something, a certain topic that you guys want to hear about, we would love to. So make sure you check out his book, Perceptual Intelligence. You can find it on any platform. Check it out on Amazon. Super, super cool book. Love the topics after we discussed it with him. I can't wait to read it myself. Make sure you guys check it out and let us know what you think. So as always, stay safe and vibe on.